Hello everyone and welcome to Celtic Preacher Podcast 86. What do we avoid? Who are we fearful of? Or what are we fearful of? Who do we have little time for? Do we go out of our way to avoid particular people or listen to a particular perspective? Well, chances are yes. That's why we favour some news channels over others, right? Because we favour a particular perspective. Well, as we grow up, a part of growing up is figuring out who we are and deciding what we like and what we don't like. And I mentioned this last week when we looked at the Nicodemus text, that a lot of who we are today was influenced by our family of origin, our our original uh, caregivers. If I grew up in a family that likes football and listens to country music, there's a good chance I will too. If I was raised with uh, opera playing in the background, that influences me. Or how my parents voted affects me. Or what I eat, or how they express themselves. Or their social skills, or their lack of social skills. My friends, my school, my church, my neighbourhood, they all shape our responses and our reactions to life. And what happens is, is that all these things that we've learned, all our likes and all our dislikes... All our responses, all our reactions, we bring into our spiritual lives. And Jesus in his teaching constantly chips away at our personal bias. He constantly does things or teaches parables that call into question things that we take totally for granted. And his teaching causes us to lose our equilibrium. It's it's unbalancing at first, before it leads to amazing life-giving truth. All the ideas that we have about our world and ourselves and our nation uh, and other people, Jesus challenges many of the ways we think about things. He challenges the way that we live and and the way we respond to the challenges of life. That's why he says things like, um, he says things like, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Now, you see, at first reading, that doesn't really make much sense, does it? That's from John 16.33, by the way. It's a wonderful promise during this time of national world crisis. Um, Yeah, I mean, at first it's like, what? How in the world we're having tribulation, but in in you I can have peace? How, How can this be? And a lot of his teachings are like that. Upon first uh, reading, they don't make a lot of sense. So... This morning, or my morning, we're going to be looking at, looking at a passage from the Gospel of John, chapter 4. And this is a narrative about Jesus going to a well. It's a long passage, it's about 42 verses. 
It's about Jesus going to a well, meeting a woman there, and asking her for a drink of water. So uh, I'm not going to read the passage because obviously it's way too long, but here's the story. The story is like this. Jesus goes to this well at midday. He finds a woman there, a Samaritan woman, and he asks her for a drink of water. Now, 2,000 years later, when you read this whole narrative, there's absolutely very little shock value to it. I mean, it's simply been lost over the years to our Western ears. Because it's like, well, what's the big deal about going to the well and asking somebody for a drink of water? But to the first hearers, this would have been a very odd story. To the disciples, his first students, Jesus at the well talking to a, a woman, this would be uncomfortable, it would be unsettling, it would be strange, it would be, his students would be thinking, what in, what in the world is he doing? What in the world is he doing? So here's the story. Jesus finds her at the well, and it's at midday. Again, often that little detail is missing us, but the fact that she's at the well at midday, well, women never went to get their water at the height of the day. It was way too hot. So we might be reading something into this, but there's a strong possibility that she is going to the well at midday because no one else will be there. And it's possibly because of her past history. Apparently, she's been married five times and the man that she's with just now is not her husband, which was a big deal 2,000 years ago. So Jesus finds her at the well at midday and he asks her for a drink of water. He pays no attention to convention. Men did not speak to women in public as is still in the case in many countries, like Iran, for example, right? You wouldn't have a strange man going up to a woman that he wasn't a relative and, and speaking to her. So just the fact that he goes and he asks her for a drink of water, you see, for Jesus, it doesn't matter what his family taught him. It doesn't matter what his faith tradition taught him. It doesn't matter what other people think. He's a completely independent thinker, which is highly, highly, highly unusual because people are like sheep for the most part, right? They're like sheep. They just follow the crowds. But uh, Jesus, completely different. Verse 7, John chapter 4, verse 7. Give me a drink of water, he asks her. She's shocked. Verse 9. How is it that you, a Jew, ask me for a drink? A Samaritan woman? She replies. And in that simple request, he's broken two important rules of his culture and his upbringing. He speaks to a woman. He speaks to a woman of a different religion. Because in those days, the ancient Jews and the ancient Samaritans had absolutely nothing to do with each other. So just by asking for a drink of water, he's questioning the values of his country. He's questioning the values of his church, what we would call church. 
they would call synagogue. So, I mean, it's a great example of completely, completely going against the tide. This is not normal behavior. It's like, who are you? What are you doing? This woman is saying, how can you speak to me? You're a rabbi. You're a man. You're a Jew. And again, like last week, same with Nicodemus, Jesus gets right to the heart of the matter in verse 13. He says, if, if you knew who you were speaking to, you'd ask for living water and you'd never thirst again. And she's intrigued, but she's still not sure. I mean, it's like, what is he talking about? What's living water? What is this water? So again, Jesus said, if you knew who you were speaking to, you'd ask for living water and you'd never thirst again. And she says, well, what is this living water? She's thinking, I'd like that. That means I'll, I'll never have to come to this well again. So she's thinking literally. Jesus is speaking figuratively. Jesus is speaking about a different kind of thirst. It's the kind of thirst that we looked at last in the last podcast. It was when Blaise Pascal spoke about the hole in humanity, the hole in the heart of man that can only be filled by God. It's the empty space. It's the space in us that cannot be filled by anything that we know of adequately, right? And Jesus is speaking here about a greater kind of thirsting than can be satisfied by water. He's speaking about a thirst that cannot be satisfied by well water. He's speaking about a thirst of the soul. And of course she says, well, Give me this water. And Jesus says, go get your husband. She said, I don't have one. And Jesus says, you're right. You've had five. You've had five husbands. And the present one, you never married. Interesting little dialogue here. I think what is happening here is, I think what's happening here is, is that by telling her about her past, the five husbands, and the one that she's with isn't her husband. I think what he's, it's a way of saying, I know you. I know who you are. I know what you've done. And as she speaks with him, she begins to experience an acceptance, a quenching that she's never felt before. In his company, she begins to feel fully known and yet fully loved. She feels valued, respected. She feels noticed. Now, this whole business about being fully known and fully loved, it's one thing to be loved. It's another thing to be fully known and loved. Because many, many people might think, well, if you really knew me, you might not even like me. Many people might think, you like the part of me that I show you, or you like the part of me that I show the world, but you might not like me at all if you really knew me. 
So Jesus is looking at her. And when he's looking at her, he's looking at all of her, the depths of her heart and soul, her history, who she is. Now for the woman at the well, she's looking for acceptance among other things. And that may not be our primary concern today, right? We might be thirsting for other things. I think it's safe to say that many of us worldwide today are looking for security, right? Looking for security. We want to be safe. Here in California, we're all in our houses for the next three weeks. That's different for us, you know. You go into a store and you see an empty shelf, that's different for us. That's very new to us here in North America. We're not used to restrictions on movement and travel. We're not accustomed to social distancing. And that can cause a lot of fear for many, many people. Now, remember Jesus said in verse 10, if you, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's speaking to you, you'd say, you'd ask, give me a drink. You would ask him and he would give you living water. Living water. Now, living water is Jesus' way of speaking about the Spirit of God, which is the indwelling Spirit, the power of God, the comforter. He's teaching that our foundation has to be built upon something that is solid and unchangeable. This is the living water, the Spirit of God in us, around us, the one that goes ahead, the one that's behind, above and below. Our security has to be on something that can't be taken away from us. Living water, the comforter, the Spirit of God. He's saying, this is what you need to drink. Yeah, our foundation has to be built on something unchangeable. Otherwise, we will begin to listen to all the wrong voices and live by fear rather than faith. See, we, we, have, we have God and we have each other, and that's a powerful combination to get us through COVID-19. Now, yeah, we might have to change the way that we gather, uh, but we can still gather together. It's like it's, it's social distancing, not spirit distancing, right? It's not a spiritual distancing. We can still support one another as a, as a worldwide church family. Actually, as a worldwide church family, we can support whoever we come into contact with in whatever way, you know? When we go to the store, we can call on our elders and our seniors and see if they need anything so that we can look out for one another. I think this is really a time for people of God to put faith into practice. You know, it's a, it's a time to be led by love and resist being ruled by fear. And of course, yes, of course we're all going to, we're going to take the the health authorities' advice, and we're going to take the necessary precautions, but of equal importance, if not more importance, we're going to be relying 
on this living water that Jesus speaks about. We're going to be leaning into and resting in the power of God. We have this living water. We have this spirit. And the Holy Spirit is enough to see us through whatever the weeks ahead bring. So there's the heart cry. There's the heart cry. There's the prayer. Thank you, God, that you're enough. You're enough. When the world feels out of control, you remain the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Future. Join with me again next week for another episode.